Get ready for work, 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 work. To me, I be work, 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 work. See me do me da 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 da. Just love me better. Things are off and running, truly. Uh, we are getting the workouts underway. Wide receivers and tight ends worked out last night, and we got to see some of the on-field results, and it was very encouraging, especially for the wide receiver group. Good to see more of that today. Offensive linemen are starting to run now, even over on NFL Network, and so there's lots of that available to you as well. It's a pretty exciting time to be an NFL draft fan, and to be a Bucks fan means that you need to know about all these position groups, and so we've got you covered uh, we've got you covered from Indianapolis, actually, where Matt Matera flew back today. So farewell to Matty, flew back to Tampa Bay. And then I'll be flying back tomorrow afternoon as well. But today I had to take an opportunity first to make sure that I caught you up on Bucks free agency news. We have shifted focus and talked about the draft a lot, obviously, this week because of the NFL Combine. But the reality is that, man, I mean, this is a free agency that is going to be to remember um, for sure because of all the bucks that are out there and potentially options, Chris Godwin, Ryan Jensen, Alex Kappa, all of the above and more. And I talked about all of those players with Brad Spielberger today. It was really encouraging to hear from Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus. Had great insight from him. After that, you'll hear Trevor Sykema, an insight from Trevor on uh, the wide receiver group who ran last night some of those 40-yard dash times. Uh, this is going to be a wide receiver class that, is very athletic with very high ceilings going into the NFL. And, yes, long lost players, you were right. Christian Watson and Alec Pierce making some money this week. Big difference being that I think Christian Watson tore up the Senior Bowl and then tore up the Combine. Alex Pierce did not tear up tear up the Senior Bowl. He did tear up the Combine. So how do we differentiate all of that? How do we sort through all that, especially in lieu of the fact that he just put up unbelievable results that, although you did hear from some people, oh, he might kill the, the Combine, you didn't necessarily see that athleticism on tape with Christian Watson. As soon as you watched him at practice and then went back for me and watched him on tape, you knew that it was it was that kind of he was that kind of a player. So it's we're gonna get to all that. We've got comments on all those guys on Watson Pierce and more wide receivers coming with Trevor here later, uh coming up. But first, we're gonna talk about Brad's to Brad Spielberger about the pro football focus from pro football focus, some of their contract projections moving forward and what those look like for a number of free agents that are on the Bucks side of things. So excited to have you hear some of what uh, Brad has to say. Obviously we'll uh, I'll keep things rolling here and we'll jump in in between with some comments. And especially as we watch this offensive line group run about anybody who could be a potential target for the Bucks. There are a couple uh, that could be as well, but first I uh, definitely want to make sure that we get uh, to Brad's comments on uh, this group. So stand by as I pull up, and get you ready uh, for what Brad had to say on this uh, free agent class for the Bucks. All right, so I'm here in the Indiana Convention Center with my main man, Trevor. All right, I'm live from Indianapolis at the Indiana Convention Center here in Indianapolis where we, the NFL Combine is happening. And I'm uh, pumped to be able to talk to one of my favorite analysts in the game, Brad Spielberger, who breaks down contracts and player numbers and all that kind of stuff for the offseason free agency, all the fun stuff for Pro Football Focus over the cap. Brad, thanks so much for taking a couple minutes, man. This has been like, is this like the highlight week of your year where everybody's talking contracts and what's next for free agents? It is. My, my season began this week. 
Yeah, I'm going to say this is like the, the pinnacle for you, I feel like, stepping into here. And you get to talk to a lot of people while you're here and you get to talk to agents and all that kind of stuff. And you hear a lot of things about the contract situations for players. Obviously, a lot of players right now are going through situations where on the box specifically are going through situations where they are approaching free agency and some of them will be back in Tampa, but some of them won't be. So we are trying to weed out who will and won't be. So we'll start with Chris Godwin. You heard Jason Lightenberg saying, say they're not ruling out the tag for Chris Godwin, but that's kind of coach speak, right? It wouldn't make much sense to tag him unless you really can't get a long-term deal. It's like a desperation move, right? I mean, I think it would also look like Justin Simmons uh, last year um, where you're just doing it to get the, the extension done. So you don't want him to play on the tag. You just do it just so you can you know work out the rest of the deal. Right. And so that could be a scenario where that's exactly what the Bucks are thinking. But they want to use that franchise tag on somebody else, namely Carlton Davis, who we'll get to in a second. What do you think is the likely outcome for Godwin in terms of his landing spot and what he ends up commanding in terms of a long-term contract? Yeah, it just sounds like he loves Tampa, wants to be there, um, and, and I think he loves working with Mike Evans, and, and that's the, the great kind of chip that Tampa you know, Bucks have in their favor is that I think he, he doesn't gonna, he's not going to surpass that $16.5 million that Mike Evans got, so maybe right around $16 million per year. Right. Okay. 16 per year would be great. Obviously that if you tagged him, what it would be 19 point something. Yeah. To yeah. Tag him. So you obviously love to work out the long-term deal. Plus he's around for the future, which Jason light said, he can't imagine a future without Chris Godwin. So he kind of put all his cards on the table. They don't really care about the leverage in that situation. So it does sound like Godwin will be back and you're right. It doesn't like he's priced himself out. I just want to ask you really quickly about the Amari Cooper situation. I just was thinking in my head, and maybe I'm totally off, but does that like apply to the Bucks in some ways? It doesn't seem like people want to trade for Cooper because of his market and because, or because of his price tag and because of the fact that there's just wide receivers everywhere. Like that seems like a, it's, it's part of the situation with Cooper is that they may have to release a really good receiver who a lot of people say is better than Chris Godwin because teams don't want to pay. I think it's 20 mil. So it is more, but I'm just curious if you think there's any correlation to the situation we saw last year in free agency. Why else didn't do that grade? And some people thought Godwin would get more than 16 million. You think it's going to come on around then? Is that kind of indicative of the market right now? I do. I think it's part of it. You saw a lot of those deals last offseason not work out. And also, when you have 15 guys run four threes, you know, in the draft class, that yeah. probably doesn't help either. Yeah, this is one of the fastest groups of wide receivers we've ever seen here in Indianapolis. And so. That's kind of how things are trending at that at that spot with Chris Godwin. Let's talk a little bit about staying on the offensive side of the, with the ball with the Bucks. Leonard Fournette, there's just has, I mean, nobody mentioned him yesterday. Jason Light had two media sessions with us, and Bruce Arians had two two, and Leonard Fournette was barely mentioned, wasn't mentioned at all in terms of his free agent status, which is coming up here. What are you hearing in terms of what could be a contract projection for him and potential landing spots, anything like that moving forward with Leonard Fournette? I haven't heard anything about landing spots, but it sounds like the short term deals are where he's going to land. I think two years, twelve to fifteen range. I mean. I don't think anyone's breaking the bank at running back. Right. It really feels that way. I don't know if they're looking just at the draft. or This isn't really a great class, but it feels like they grow on trees. So maybe that's how teams are, are considering them right now. He did get better, though, at that point in time. So do you think, I mean, looking at the Bucs situation, it, it still feels kind of unlikely to me that he's back. But the reality is they also have Ronald Jones and Giovanni Bernard, who are free agents. And you can't really go into next year without one of those three coming back, right? That seems like it'd be kind of unusual. Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, Keyshawn Vaughn, you know, is a, is a guy, but I'm not sure if he, they think he could be, you know, a, a true, you know, three down back. And maybe they do dip into the draft, like you said, not maybe not a first rounder, but a lot of depth there. Um, but I you think one of those three guys would be back. Probably not Ronald Jones. Maybe Giovanni Bernard and Fedelina Fournette. Yeah, that's definitely a possibility. Giovanni Bernard, you know, you would think he'd be pretty cheap, and they did like what he did last year. He just got hurt twice, and that kind of threw things off a little bit. So the market for Net will be kind of for Fournette will be kind of fascinating to watch. Brian Jensen and Alex Kappa have really moved into the spotlight now. Ali Marpet's sudden retirement leaves the Bucks with some space available to spend more money in the offensive line. 
cap, I believe you have projected at $9.25 million per year. It's kind of his next contract. And Ryan Jensen could be pushing Frank Ragnow for the top per year deal on the market, $13.5 million. What are you hearing about Ryan Jensen and the possibilities of where he could land and, and really just in general, what kind of money you think it will determine? Yeah, I think we've seen moves now with these, these rookie contract quarterbacks. And the big one, Corey Lindsley, going to the Los Angeles Chargers, gets four years, $50 million, had health issues, didn't even play a ton. And Ryan Jensen is durable. Is a nasty individual. Uh, I think 13 million per year is probably his floor. Yeah, that would be a pretty good contract for Ryan Jensen. Obviously, it'd make him the second highest paid center, I guess, per year. He already became the highest paid center when the Bucks originally signed him. Uh, Alex Kappa, the marketed guard, is not a great guard group. Like it seems like a lot of the players are older when they're hitting the market. You know, you talk about a Brandon Scherf who's older and been injured. Andrew Norwell, some of these other guys are definitely on the older side. Glowinski. And so, do you think that can up the market for Kappa, being that he's one of the younger guys who you might get like all four years out of the next contract of a guy like Kappa? I do, and I think the other young guys are purely zone guys. You look at James Daniels. Um, you look at uh, Austin Corbett in Los Angeles. Like I'm not sure they, you know, they're, they're not similar to Kappa. He might be kind of in his own class. Yeah, that's true. He's a little bit more versatile in terms of the scheme uh, that you're looking at. So Kappa, you think, in the $9 million range, Jensen in the $13 million range. All in all, like, what do you think happens with the Bucks? I mean, the priority situation for them, they've already lost one of their best interior offensive linemen. You know they don't want to lose all three. It was, it's extremely rare for a good team, especially with a team like a roster like that, with three good players on the interior offensive line, to just be okay with all three options walking away. Do you think that makes them get maybe desperate? One, both of these guys come back? I think Jason White, like you said, it's great. He, he doesn't care about leverage. He's honest with us. We, we spoke with him and he said, look, Ali Marpet retiring changes the calculation for both Jensen and Kappa, where maybe it wasn't a possibility before and now it is. Yeah, and so both of those guys could potentially maybe be back uh, for the Bucks, which will be interesting to see what they uh, command. Flipping over to the defensive side of the ball, because there's not much point in talking about Rob Gronkowski's situation until we know what the heck he's doing. I think we know what it'll cost. We just don't know where it's going to be that'll, that'll play that out if he wants to continue playing. But defensively, big question marks at defensive tackle, and Dominican Sue, Will Golston, Steve McClendon, all free agents. Those are three of their top six in the rotation there in Tampa Bay. Golston, most people assume, will be back in Tampa Bay. We haven't heard anything contrary. He definitely doesn't want to go anywhere. He basically just said that. So kind of gave us some leverage there maybe, but I don't think he really cares at this point. Uh, but Ramakatsu's situation gets interesting, right? He has said that he wants to continue playing. But the reality is that Ramakatsu throughout a lot of his career has kind of been a mercenary. Like he's played for the highest bidder. And yes, it's a little bit different now that like he's buried and they have Halsier and the twins. And does that change the calculation even for a guy like Sue? Like what's the market like for him? Is he, you know, if McClendon wants to keep playing another year too, probably, but if McClendon, you know, he and Sue will be the oldest defensive tackles in the league. And so how does that change what you think his price tag will be? Yeah, the thing with Sue, too, is he's played a full, what, 800 snaps last year. Like, I think we started to talk about him as, hey, maybe you cut back on the snaps, he's more effective, uh, uh, you know, more efficient, but that's not what he was last year. And I think that he's a guy that knows his value. He's not going to take a discount. I think if he's going to keep playing, it's going to be the same. One year, $8 million, pretty much the entire thing fully guaranteed. But just like Tom Brady, he's been tweeting a lot. He's been kind of getting that one foot out the door. So maybe we'll see how that goes. Yeah, it could be like, yeah, I want to come back and play because if you pay me $8 million or $9 million, I'll do it. But if I don't want to come back and play if you're paying me five million. And it could be I could see that unfolding with Sue where he ends up being like a late signing or not a signing at all and it just ends up not announcing a retirement but just kinda of waits around to see if anybody will pay him in season. Then maybe next off season says, you know, I'm I'm retiring or whatever. And McClendon could be in a similar situation too. Okay, let's talk about the last two, the defensive backs for the Bucks. Carlton Davis looking at a situation where the Bucks were clear. Arians and Light both spoke the other day and they both said Carlton Davis has been a great player for us, and they couched it, both of them, and emphasized when he's healthy. He's had trouble staying healthy, they think. 
he hasn't really missed that much time. You know, it's not like he's had any serious season-ending injury. We thought his quad would be season-ending. He ended up coming back in seven games. So it wasn't like anything's been disastrous with Carlton Davis, but just nagging stuff. He's been on the injury report at times. He's played. He's played well, but I guess maybe the injury is just the fact that he has so many different ones over the years, even if they haven't really prevented him. Maybe that impacts how they look at it. What do you think happens with Carlton Davis? I know the franchise tag's an option there. I think the franchise tag is really in play. I think you and I spoke before um, about some of these corners, and I've heard that I'm a little bit low kind of across the board. I mean, the one I heard about Trevarius Ward could be in the 16, 17 million per year range. Yeah, so hearing that makes me think, yeah, Carlton Davis' market is probably in that range as well. So I think the franchise tag definitely could be on the table. Yeah, so franchise tag for Carlton Davis, by example, what is that again? It's like, uh, is it in the 18? It's 17.2. 17.2, okay, all right. So that's about what you want. And it sounds like they want, the same thing. They want Carlton Davis to prove he can stay healthy for another season before they lock him up. And I could see it being like a Godwin situation last year, almost like Carlton Davis can look at it and say, you know what? If I stay healthy for a whole year and I catch some of the interceptions that I just straight up dropped, he dropped like five picks straight up. He could have a huge market if he has six picks instead of one or whatever going into the offseason. So, you know, maybe he sees it that way and says, if I catch those balls, like, I'm back. I had four picks a year before. I had more opportunities this past year and I only played 10 games. And then he hits the market and he tries to become one of the higher paid corners in the league, right? 100%. And I think, you know, with the salary cap jumping in 2023 and all those considerations, a one-year flyer might be the best route for him. Yeah, and then you got Jordan Jordan Whitehead, who's looking at a situation where you projected him at a kind of a $6 million per year contract. He is still pretty young. I think he's about to be 25, and he's gotten better every single year he's been in the NFL. But at the same time, he is a player that you kind of look at and you say, okay, he's a strong safety. He's probably only going to continue to get better within that role and within the context of a defense, having to use him in a certain way. He's never going to be the very valuable type of safety, the single high type of safety. So does that limit his pool of suitors? And does that kind of increase the chance he might be back with the box? How do you see that? Yeah, I think it could. I mean, I mean, like you said, he can play in some too high, but you probably want him down in the box. You probably don't want him back there, um, which, you know, everyone in the league now, of course, is looking for those guys that, that can sit back in too high and but still come down in the run game and make plays. And that is where he excels. Um, he wanted to be, be like his tackles were so close to the line of scrimmage compared to safety. He's basically a linebacker at this point. Um, honestly, though, I think it could be even more than six, it sounds like. I mean, I mean, he's a, he's a guy that has a skill set that, you know, kind of like a J. Ron Curse, some of those guys that in today's NFL, it's, it's a valuable skill set. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think he'll be a priority for the Bucks. I don't know if he'll be the top priority when you look at some of the other names that they have available on the market. So, Brad, I do appreciate this insight, man. It's always great chatting with you and getting some insight on what the Bucks could do in another eventful offseason back-to-back. Hopefully next year we don't have as many players to talk about. I know there's just a couple, but I hopefully we don't have as many players to talk about and we can – it could be Carlton Davis coming off the tag, and that can be about the extent of our discussions. But right now, it's drama central, so I appreciate you giving us some clarity. Yeah, hopefully we can talk about other free agents outside the building and, and kind of, you know, yeah. have some fun with that. But yeah, thanks for having me. Right, that would be fun. We never get to talk about that. Brad Spielberger, ladies and gentlemen, PFF, uh, always giving good insight on the contract situations going on with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So you get a chance to hear some of Brad's thoughts there on what's going on in free agency with the Bucs. And I thought he had lots of good things to say. And I want to get to some of your questions as well, because uh, there's some good ones for sure that we'll make sure that we're uh, talking about and addressing on the show today. But first, got to let people know that Celsius is out here sponsoring today's podcast as they sponsor all the Peter Report podcasts. And they are energized in this whole experience here at the Combine. They are through a variety of different flavors, essential energy, accelerating metabolism, burning body fat, lot sparkling strawberry guava, the wild berry, the Fuji apple pear, the orange sickle, a bunch of new flavors just showed up at the Ledger household that I can't wait to try when I get home. 
uh, tomorrow. But Celsius giving us everything that we need to to uh, be able to thrive over at PeterReport.com. And they can give you that as well. There's somehow no sugar in these, but yet unbelievable taste. Uh, it's incredible what they've been able to achieve. So make sure you check out Celsius. A number of different ways you can do that. You can go to thepeterreport.com and you can check out, uh, click on the banner ads and check out Celsius there. Uh, or you can go to Celsius.com, use the store locator, find out where they are near you. Or you can do it Amazon, do the subscribe and save option and get Celsius coming to your house on a regular basis. Awesome stuff. Uh, best energy drink that's out there. You can ask other people too. Don't just take our word for it. It, it truly is uh, changing the game. I can't believe how many Celsius I've seen here at the combine, just people drinking them all over the place. Um, so it really is uh, becoming a game changer. And of course, if you're into the soda and things like that, you can check out their cola flavor as well, uh, which has been absolutely outstanding. So many people telling us they've given up drinking actual soda and are drinking the cola instead and they're dropping pounds. Somebody was just tweeting me yesterday. They've dropped significant weight that way. And so just really exciting for them because they get to enjoy the great taste, but they don't have to get all the bad stuff that comes with it. Um, so Celsius, as always, uh, doing awesome things for us uh, and for all of you as well. All right, we have a bunch of good questions here. Um, let's get see if we can get to a bunch of these uh, before we get to Trevor's comments on the wide receiver class. Um Let's see. Someone throwing up in the back is someone dying in there. We So one of the things about the combine is they give the media a big room to tight to write stories in. But they don't give us anywhere to really record podcasts. So people are kind of just the, the convention center. If anybody's ever been to Indiana and been through the convention center, the convention center is huge. There's a ton of like small stations. And most of the time it's really quiet there. Once in a while you have somebody just walk by because it is a public space and feel like it is acceptable to just scream randomly at the top of their lungs. Sometimes that happens while you're live recording a podcast usually it doesn't but y'all had the benefit of seeing that happen actually live or hearing it happen actually live so no idea what that was about it was absolutely bizarre but sorry anybody who had to hear that um scott asked hey john great coverage thanks was burke slow enough to possibly be available at 27 this is a good question i am not sure trailing burke's ran a four five five and you'll hear trevor and i talk about this in depth in a little bit i do tend to think this could put him in the bucks range trevor is a little less optimistic and you'll hear him comment about it pretty shortly here but yeah that's going to be something that we're going to look at with trailing burke's stock does a four five five knock him down enough plus the rest of the things that he did you know the combine weren't necessarily that impressive so is the tape impressive enough or some of the other things impressive enough? I tend to think that it is, but I think he could still fall down into the Bucks range of the draft. I think there's some questions with that prototype of wide receiver in years past that have pushed them down the board um, with him not running that well either. Um, so do think it's a possibility. think it enhances his chances of being there for the Bucs. think one of the big things that people overlook is that sometimes wide receivers are so used to starting from a higher position. You know, it's not like a position that's on the line of scrimmage that starts you know, lower anyway. They're used to starting from a standing point, and now they have to get down at a track stance. The start can throw off a lot of these wide receivers, especially when you have a guy that's been clocked repeatedly at tremendous miles per hour. Burks can fly, we know this, but I think it's the start that really hurts a lot of these wideouts when they test for the 40 because they're starting from this three-point stance that they'll actually never play from so it's really weird kind of that they haven't do that but i guess it's just like a level playing field and like historical context now i'm still a good indicator but i i do think that you have to take that with a grain of salt and kind of watch some of that i think burks may have been hindered by that a little bit so yeah could could be there at 27 for sure um 
Long lost Glazer, PR putting Jelani Woods on the map as a seventh round pick on the mock draft. Where does he go now? Fourth round. All these things are possible for sure. He did test very well, had himself a really good day. And obviously his physical frame is unbelievable. Like looking at him, um, I mean, he is shredded and he's got these super long arms. But we know from years past that there are these guys every year at tight end and it doesn't really help them work out at that position. Athleticism is very much a bonus. It is very cerebral position. You have to be a good blocker. You have to be able to do lots of different things. You have to pick up the offense. Um, you have to block differently on every snap, really, compared to even most other positions. So there is a lot of the mental part of it for the tight end group. And Jelani Woods dropped a ton of passes in college. Uh, he did have a good shine week. He's put himself on the map. He's helped his stock for sure. How much? Hard to say at this point. But probably, probably going to be a higher pick than the seventh round. I think that's probably fair to say. Uh, let's see some of these other comments. Let's get to here. Nathaniel saying he's uh, not box related, but he's posting a massive youth rally tonight at 7 p.m. Prayers are appreciated. Absolutely. Nathaniel will be praying for that for sure. That's awesome stuff. Uh, great to hear that. And good luck to you uh, on that on that process tonight. Uh, that is going to be, I'm sure, a, a really awesome event. Um, underwear Olympics uh, doesn't always translate on Sundays. True. It doesn't. Uh, what I always say about the combine and what you all have probably heard me say as well is that it is a great eliminator of players who don't meet certain thresholds and run certain times, et cetera. But it doesn't necessarily mean because you test great that you're great. That's how most people tend to react on Twitter. Oh, they tested great. Oh, they threw the ball great. They're great. Or, oh, their stock should improve because of that. I think the tape is the strongest indicator. If you see a guy test way more athletic than you expected on tape, maybe you miss something, you can go back to it. But really, it should just help eliminate guys. You might love the guy on tape. David Bell, for example, he runs a 464. It's hard. You can't really vouch for a 464 wide receiver with his skill set per se. You would have to believe he's like Jarvis Landry, basically, as a route runner and technician, toughness, mental, you know, the intangibles that made Landry great. Does he have all of those things? I don't know. We'll see. Um, maybe he does have some of those things. But I'm saying it gives you the context of which you should not be considering him as a first or second round pick probably anymore with those uh, results on those times. And so that's how it should act as kind of an eliminator for us um, that should help in that way. Jensen may price himself out of Tampa. Yes, he may. Not because Tampa can't pay it, but maybe because they won't pay it. Paying $13 million a year or more for a center who is 31 years, about to be 31 years old in May, who has played through injuries last two years, even though he hasn't missed time, the body and the physical way that he plays is going to go downhill. It is very risky to do that. So I want him back too, but we all need to think about the proper context of the situation. If he is not back, it's not because they didn't think he was great or they didn't value him. They just recognize this is a hard situation. It is very difficult to pay a player at this stage in their career. That You're talking about top-of-the-line money. That is be the highest-paid center in the league. Those are hard conversations to have because the reality is he might be a great player, but it might be six games. It might be ten games. It might be one season, and you're paying him for three. And structuring that contract so you don't screw yourself over in a couple of years is, is going to be tough. And it's not the most valuable position on the field either. He's a valuable player. But center in and of itself is typically more replaceable position um, year to year. So that's something to think about there. Charlie says, think the Bucs could sign Bozeman and Kappa for not eight to nine million each. I think Bozeman will be considerably less than this, Charlie, and Kappa will probably be in this range, maybe a tad more than nine. He might be in the nine to ten, and Bozeman might be in the, the five to six uh, range. I think that could be what you're looking at. And yes, I think this is a very distinct possibility. Bozeman could very well be a, a backup plan center for the bucks he is very interested in the box i think uh, and potentially playing here if um 
if that uh, possibility arises with whatever's going on with Jensen. So uh, Brad on some good perspective here. Tom says, saw in Joe Buck's fan that the Bengals are going to offer Jensen a three-year $39 million deal. Yeah, I mean, the Bengals have been linked to Jensen by just about everybody, and the three-year $39 million just kind of falls in line with what the contract projections are that are out there. I'm not sure whether this is a report in this article or them just speculating or pulling it from somebody else and aggregating the content. I don't know the specifics of that, but there's nothing really new here. This is kind of exactly the deal that most people anticipate uh, Jensen could be getting. Uh, of course, there could be like a fourth year tacked on there and obviously little guaranteed money in that year, but it makes him happy. You get something and probably a little bit more security, but you know, the semantics basically is going to be in that three to four, 13 mil year range. And he's probably going to push for 14 to try and top Ragnow and he might end up at 13 and he'll be happy. I'm sure to settle for that. Important to remember if he loves Tampa and he just bought a house here, and from everybody I've talked to, I do think there is a greater chance that Jensen stays in Tampa Bay than I did coming into the week. That's been the vibe I've gotten since I've been here. But I do think that he really loves Tampa Bay, um, and I think that that could play a factor here. No state income tax in Tampa Bay makes a difference because in Florida, you know, if you're looking at those options now, if the Dolphins come in, obviously they've got the same advantage working for them, but that could be where things get a, a little bit messy, But and they could very well be players for him. Um, but – I do think that, you know, the Bucs can offer him a little bit less with the no state income tax. It really helps him make actually more in the end. Plus, he gets to stay in a locker room, which he absolutely loves. Coaches, he absolutely loves. And I think he'd love to finish his career in Tampa Bay. Just not sure that he'd love that more than he would a ton of money in his last contract. So um, I think that that's a, a big part of this. Lobella wants to know, what's the word on George Pickens' draft stock? I don't think anybody was surprised that he tested great, that he ran fast. Uh, everybody knows he's fast. I think the question with him is going to be health and how he does in the interview process. That is going to be, to me, the, the determiner on his stock and whether he benefits from this week or not. And you know, we'll probably find out more about those uh, in the coming uh, weeks. Uh, good question here. Whitehead will probably be around seven to seven and a half mil, but Edwards is a solid replacement. Yeah, Whitehead could be around that range. That's possible for him. Now, whether Edwards would be a replacement or not remains to be seen. I think they would try to get a strong safety in the draft or free agency. There are some available. And then Edwards would try and maybe stay in his role, maybe more of a that he currently has, maybe a little bit larger of a role, depending on who they get and how good that player is. Uh, but I definitely think that the, the, the plan would be uh, some type of three safety system. Um, with uh, whoever they would add in place of Whitehead if they lose him. Um, ben Leeper said, thoughts on the Bucks reportedly making a big push to re-sign Jensen. His price seems too steep with him likely be to begin regressing soon. Yeah, just kind of addressed this, Ben, but it's a good question. You know, at that age, you, you do really need to, to think about that. Um, a question here from Steven. What's the word on Alec Pierce and Eric Azukanam? I don't know how to say his last name, to be honest. I did not know about him until this week. Tested great. Um, I don't know much more beyond that. Um, for the Bucks in the third and fifth rounds, respectively, yeah, I'd say that's about the ranges that most expect them to go in. I don't know whether the Bucks will be interested or not. Um, I do think they might be interested in Pierce. Trevor and I talk about that uh, pretty shortly. Chris Wolf says, Sky Moore looked smooth. Yes. I agree with you. He looks smooth. Don't know if he's a Bucks uh, fit, but I do think he looks smooth. Um, JC wants to know over under how many times I took meat from the skewers. Uh, I forgot to chow. Yeah, I. This was my first experience at a Brazilian steakhouse last night, and it was incredible. Like I'm not sure how that's legal. It's unbelievable, but what an absolute game changing experience. He sets it at 12. It was absolutely over 12. JC, absolutely over 12. But. Uh, yeah, preposterously low. Long lost Glazer says, yeah, 12, 
12 p 12 is preposterously low um vortex wants to know john how far do you think watson moved early second trevor and i talk about this in a minute actually so hang on to that question because it's a good one um good question here joey wants to know what do we think of the news of the combine possibly moving to la or dallas next year would you prefer they keep it in indianapolis this is a good question because I think Ian Rapport talked about this yesterday. He expects the combine actually stay in India, I think, for another year. And so that would be um, fine with me, to be honest. I, you know, the only knock on Indies is cold, but the convention center is awesome. It is huge, it is massive, it's accommodating. We know our way around it. Um, you're going to get media to complain no matter what happens, but you'll get a lot more complaining if you move it to an unfamiliar location. So um, there will be media hate change in general. I, I wouldn't say that I fit under the bill of that, uh, but I do. I like Indianapolis a lot. I know where everything is. I know where the good places to eat are. I think there's a ton of them. Um, so I enjoy it. Obviously, you'd have those things in LA and Dallas too. So, I mean, you'd adjust over time, but I'm all for uh, keeping it in Indianapolis for sure. Um Okay, let's see if we can get to some of these other questions. Uh, yeah, uh, Elliot, why do they even do the on-field stuff? Seems totally useless. Don't totally disagree. It's not totally useless, but it's it's difficult when some of the results are as unpredictable as they are right now. When they changed and put things in the evening, it seemed like some of the 40 times got better, but dudes lost their legs for the, for the agilities. And you saw Dane Brugler tweet about some of this. The results on the agilities last three years have been – just completely absurd like there's just just ridiculous like there's no way in the world that we can take those seriously with the drop off in players performance and the agility drills the three cone and the shuttle um so i don't really care about those for wide receivers but i do for other positions and not knowing that they'll be accurate for edge defender is really hurts like those are really important positions uh really important test results for edge defenders especially the three cone so we need to improve the process there for sure uh, okay, let's uh, see if we can get to some of the uh, thoughts uh, coming here from um, from Trevor. Trevor had some really good insight into, yeah, lots of questions about Christian Watson. Those are coming. Um, to just hang on to, yeah, Parmesan pork chops were great. Uh, yes, hang on to those questions about uh, Alec Pierce and uh, Christian Watson. Uh, that stuff uh, is really important. Elliot says he's not even talking about the athletic testing. That stuff is useful. He's talking about the throwing and the gauntlet. Yeah, I mean – Teams want to see how guys move and how they catch the ball in those situations, but I'm with you. I don't really care about those things. And the overreaction to the way quarterbacks throw in those things is always mind-boggling. Like, people just – as soon as there's somebody throwing a football again, they just have to, like, be, wow, like this is – because they just can't – they can't hold – they can't stand the fact that it's been that long that they've had to go without watching football. So they overreact to it. But, I mean, you you saw the same thing you see every year at those events. Like, throwing on air to those guys is the least impressive thing. You can't dislike the tape or have questions of the tape and then come back and then be like, wow, but they threw great at the combine. That should help their stock. That is just not how any of this stuff works. Like, it's just not. So – there's things that good to take away from it. It's sometimes it's good to see certain position groups move. I like it for the corners a lot because you get to see how they turn and how they bail out of press and how they backpedal. Those are all things the testing won't show you. I like it for edge defenders because you get to see them. They run the loop, I believe, is part of what they do. So you get to see that movement and you get to see some of them drop in coverage, which for some teams is important. You won't get a feel for that necessarily. The other thing. So there are some important things, but for a lot of positions, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily useful always good to do always good to do well like no question but if guy doesn't do that well you know i just i have a hard time taking it that seriously if, if the tape is great so um 
Vortex, I believe some of the offensive linemen are doing the broad now, and some of them are doing the 40, and then they'll switch. I believe that's how it works. And uh, the broad, I believe probably the results will start coming out soon if they haven't already. Um, so, yeah, Joey wants to know with the combine wrapping up, uh, which pro days are the ones you think Bucks fans should keep their eyes on the most? Probably any of the ones with the defensive linemen, um, if they didn't work out, any of the ones with wideouts. Um, you know, I mean, the Bucks right now have a slew of different positions to, to choose from. So, you know, really mostly anything. I mean, running backs, I don't know if their pro days are going to matter, but running backs testing doesn't really matter that much. You know, you'll see people overreact today when running backs run. But guys being not fast as running backs doesn't matter. Kamara wasn't fast. Kareem Hunt wasn't fast. Le'Veon Bell wasn't fast. Najee Harris wasn't that fast. Like, I mean – they're good in the NFL. It doesn't matter. Like it's not long runs for running backs are not really important anymore. It's always nice when you have it, but it's like the least important trait. Um, so, you know, don't be a horrible athlete and you're probably okay. Is You know, obviously you can't be a horrible athlete, but if you run four, six as a running back, it's, it's not like other positions. It, the tape, the vision and the, the burst, the short area burst and the, the vision and the ability to break tackles, the contact balance, those are the most important things. And two of those three things you're not measuring uh, at the combine. So, I don't get worked up about the running backs, but some people will want to keep their eyes on them in their pro day, in their pro days. Here's a good question from Ben, and I'll finish it with this one before I get to Trevor's comments. Which of the prospects you've spoken with had the personality that impressed you the most, or that you think would fit well with the Bucks locker room? I love Devontae Wyatt's personality. I think everybody does, but man, talk about an explosive dude who is funny and self-depreciating, and but very confident. Um, Energizer Bunny, you know, has some similarities to Raheem Nunes Roaches in terms of personality, but a lot more talented. And I think he could be the first tackle off the board. I don't know if he makes it to the Bucks at 27 if he tests great tomorrow, which I've heard that he he can for sure. Everybody's talking about how he's going to blow it up. Um, so. That could be a Georgia guy that helps him out a ton and, and moves up the board a good bit. Um, and he, he's one that I really, really enjoy. There's a number of others, you know, that I've really have been impressed by. I think Jermaine Johnson has some really you know, cool things to say. Some of the linebackers today were impressive that I don't know necessarily that they would be bucks. But, um, you know, Christian Watson has been impressive when I've gotten chances to hear from him. Um, so there's a lot of guys. These guys get better and better at the podium every year. They know the questions that are coming. That's part of it. Um, but it's really impressive to see schools developing them as young men a little bit more i think that's really enjoyable uh, makes the combine run enjoyable yeah and damian pierce is awesome too i know scott is just absolutely beside himself because damian pierce has been having this great pre-draft stretch and scott is a true hater everybody go on twitter tag scott and tag peter report and it addressed this true haterism from Scott that's happening right now because he is all the way out on Damian Pierce. I don't even, I'm not even a, I haven't watched Damian Pierce's tape yet, but I, when I've seen him live, I've been impressed. He's great at the senior bowl and uh, he's great in the podium today. And he did, I think 24 reps on the bench or something. He's really impressive there. So good start for him. And yeah, Abrams missed another guy. He's really good at the senior bowl, really good in the game. I think um, he'll be a day three guy probably, but could be on the Bucks radar. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of guys definitely to keep your eye on uh, as we move forward with this thing, uh, especially some of these wide receivers who ran these unbelievable forties this week. Um, I think that that's going to be one of the more exciting position groups to watch. Uh, over the next couple of weeks, but uh, we've got a special treat with Trevor Sikama, formerly of Peter Report, joining the show to talk a little bit. But first, before we do that, a message from our friends at Immuni Financial. At Immuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. We're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? 
Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead. Stay ahead. Managing your family's wealth means more to Immunity Financial than simply allocating your assets. It means legacy planning, brokerage, and advisory services, retirement accounts, college savings accounts, and insurance services. With 40 years of experience, let Immunity Financial help you plan ahead and stay ahead. Call Immunity Financial at 800-868-6864 or visit immunity.com. Okay, we've got Trevor Sikama here with some great insight on the the wide receiver class and who could be potential fits with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers out of this wide receiver class. So as always, we're excited to hear from Trevor and hear his perspective on a lot of these things uh, because he has been studying these draft prospects like crazy. And it is very uh, it's very interesting to hear his takes on some of these things, even compared to some of my own as it always is. So here's Trevor talking about the wide receiver class with me. Uh, and the combine results from some of the 40s last night. All right, so I'm here in the Indiana Convention Center with my main man, Trevor Sikama, formerly of PeterReport.com, now of ProFootballFocus.com. And, uh, Trevor, we've got a, a little bit of an NFL combine to analyze here. Some wide receiver 40 times happened yesterday, and they were completely fraudulent. And I just... <laughs> I'm curious about your thoughts on the combine lying to the people on live television. Yeah, the NFL is clearly using propaganda to prop up the uh, type of event and uh, make sure that wide receivers fastest 40 times of all time uh, during the 8 p.m. slot. The first time it's prime time. No, obviously, okay. So you know the unofficial times. There, there were 12 wide receivers that ran 4.39 or faster last night for the unofficial times. That there were 10 wide receivers from 2015 to 2018 combined that ran that. So we almost had more than that in one night. Obviously, the official times came out, and it's not like the official times were bad, but they weren't record breaking, including Tyquan Thornton, who did not run a 4 2 1 and did not break John Ross's record. He ended up running a, a 4 2 8. But, um, I mean, obviously, there's still a lot of speed in this group, maybe just not unprecedented speed like we saw with the unofficial times. Yeah, that's one of the things that makes this really kind of, I don't know, it's just like kind of air out of the balloon a little bit. Like, there was all these times you're like, okay, like, this guy broke John Ross's record, and then it was like, no, he didn't. Like, the Chris Olave 426, where you're just sitting there, and you're, like, losing your mind. Like, this is about to be the greatest deep threat in all all of history. But, uh, like, you know, he comes in at a 439, and obviously that's not not slow. Dude, Garrett Wilson running an official 437. I mean, that was was a pretty big deal. And faster than Olave. I didn't think that was going to be the case there. Christian Watson, the North Dakota State wide receiver, he ran an official 4-3-6, which is pretty nuts. And so, uh, I mean, there were still really great times from these wide receivers, even if they weren't in what they posted initially. I still think it's obviously a, a very fast wide receiver class this year. Right. No question about it. Let's talk about Alave. That's a player who a lot of people have linked to the box at the end of the first round, an outside receiver, a speed receiver, a vertical receiver. It's a lot of things that they look for, obviously. And I think the other part of it is that he's met with the box, so they know there's some interest there at least. What do you, how do you feel about his game? Where does he kind of rank in the wide receivers for you, and how do you feel he fits in the box? Well, I, I thought that Olave 
could have been a first rounder last year. Like I was really shocked that he came back to school and, you know, I, you know, he says they wanted to compete for a national championship. I get all this stuff, but I wonder if the reason why he didn't leave is because he got something close to a second round grade from the NFL draft advisory board. And, you know, if him believing he was a first round wide receiver, which I think that he could absolutely be a first round wide receiver, I understand why he might want to go back. So ends up doing that. Doesn't have the best year of his career. He's playing in a really crowded room, but you, know, you mentioned some of his traits there. I mean, I think he's a smooth, deep threat wide receiver, man. I think that that's the adjective that a lot of people use the most for Chris Olave is that he's fast, but he looks like it's almost effortless for him. And he's such a natural. He's been playing already for three years, starting for three years for Ohio State. And if you're big into the age metrics of that translating into good pro play, then you got to be a big fan of Chris Olave. So I really liked him last year, man. I think that his athletic ability was obviously on display. If he, if he ran an official 4 2 6, I'd tell you there's, there's no prayer in the world he's making it down to Tampa. But um, I still think that even with the time that he ran, he's probably going to be a back end of the first round guy. And I think it, it kind of varies. Like some people, you ask him about Chris Olave, they go, oh, yeah, he's a top 20 talent for sure. And then other people will go, yeah, I mean, like fringe first round or something like that. So this is all his range. It makes sense that the Bucks are doing their due diligence on him because they know as well as anybody that when you have a aerial arsenal that whoever's playing quarterback can throw the football to it's only going to help you out and, and hopefully bringing chris godwin back mike evans is obviously not going anywhere if they add chris olave to that mix and shoot i mean let's say they bring gronkowski back that's again an elite passing attack there for whoever's going to play quarterback for him right and they want to do all they can obviously to boost whoever's playing quarterback because they know it won't be tom brady more than likely hey, you, <laughs> say no. you say the word they know i don't know that they know they so. believe that it won't be so like they've Allegedly got to retire these are the reports that are out right, there. right once they trade them to the 49ers i feel like they're going to have to for five first rounders for right. five first rounders they're going to have to assess their wide receiver room and make sure basically that this group is on par enough to boost somebody like a Kyle Trask or a Blaine Gabbard. So there's lots of interest in the receiver class, even early in the draft. Traylon Burks ran a four, what was official? Four, five, five. Four, five, five okay. Official, official four, five, five time. Yeah. Pretty much broke my heart. I do fully believe that he only ran that time to make me look bad. I'm pretty sure that every prospect that runs well below what I expect them to only does it because they're being paid to expose me basically. Yeah, and so, by me. By actually, yeah, huh. I'm trying to sabotage you so everybody thinks that I'm just always the best draft analyst from Peter Porter. So yeah, well, this is gonna make the rest of this a little bit awkward. <laughs> but now that, through, I, now that I now that I just want to try to put on a strong face here, just tell me this: 225 pounds. Honestly, a four five five is pretty good. That's basically what Mike Evans ran. He was six pounds heavier, yeah. and he ran four five three. I believe is the official time for Evans. So kind of similar, but at the same time, we just thought Burks would be a little bit faster. People I think. are, are going to call Traylon Burks a loser from this week, both because of the testing and the hand size, which is a weird thing. And I, yeah, I think that was his own fault. Well, overhyping. Well, I think that he he was, but he was kind of just like leaning into it a little bit. And look. I love Bruce Feldman. Bruce Feldman does an incredible job giving us a, a preview into some of the uh, athletic marvels when it comes to college football players at the beginning of the year. But uh, whoever his Arkansas source is, uh, you lied to him. It's just like straight up lie. The hand size doesn't get an inch, inch smaller over the course of the season. So, I mean, just like that part was just strangely disappointing. And then obviously like him coming in and running the four five five, which you just said – it's a fine time. Like, it's a fine yeah. time for him. And even, like, some of the jumping stuff, yeah, he wasn't this freak athletically, but even I think all the numbers are okay. The three cones is a little worrisome because it's in, like, the 22nd percentile. Oh, who was? Where all the three cones? Right. The three cones were, you're right, the three cones were all bad. And 
when you watch Schellenberg's tape, I would have told you, like, I think he's a little stiff. That's why I don't have him as my, my wide receiver one, and, and, and I didn't think that he was as athletically dominant on a vertical plane like D.K. Metcalf was, so I didn't think that he was that kind of a caliber guy. But all that to say, man, I think that Perks is he's going to be fine. I think that he's still going to be great. And uh, you're going to see him as a loser in, in some of these articles just because people were disappointed. But when you look at it from a 10,000-foot scope or whatever and you're able to kind of step back, he was fine. And it does pick up the the opinion that he could be a buck at the end of the first round. Like sure. he could slide enough right. down the board, if, especially if Olave gets bumped at all, and Garrett Wilson gets bumped at all, and and you already we don't know what Drake London's going to run, we right. don't know where his stock's going to fall. Right. But could, does this enhance the chances that Burks ends up being a Tampa? Well, I, th- I think it certainly does. I'd still be pretty skeptical that he makes it all the way down to twenty seven. I think that, I mean, the biggest slide for for. Burks would probably end somewhere around pick 20. So I think the Bucks would probably still have to make a little bit of a jump if they want him just because the profile on him is so great. I mean, you mentioned he was your wide receiver one, and it's because of all of the things that he can do with the ball. I mean, you can play him on the outside, you play him at receiver, you play him in the backfield, right? And people use the Debo Samuel comp a little bit. He talked at the podium about how he loves to watch Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, guys like that, who um, are just kind of these like all-around wide receivers and all around, I'll say, offensive weapons, if you will. So I think that, yeah, this helps the chance for him to be a Buccaneer, but the uniqueness of his game makes it difficult for me to think he's going to fall that far, even with this combine. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Drake London didn't run, so confirmed coward, but we still don't know whether he's going to be (laughs) – we still don't know whether he's going to run faster than a four seven, so we've got to wait to find out. We don't necessarily have to wait to find out about Christian Watson though, because we know now he four three six jumped out of the gym. Broad jump was unbelievable, eleven four I think. And yeah, was yep. thirty eight something. Thirty eight and a half. Thirty eight and a half in the vert. Put on athletic show. Put on a show in Mobile. He's six four and a half. He's two hundred eight pounds. Yep. He's played even heavier than that. He said. What in the world? I can, it seems impossible to me, Trevor, that a North Dakota State wide receiver whose best college season had 801 receiving yards could go in the first round that nobody talked about, even throughout the college football season Correct. that nobody talked about. Right. How could a player like that go in the first round, yet it seems like we're on a trajectory where it's at least a possibility? Well, I think that you can start to justify it through a couple of different angles here, right? I mean, when you look at his most productive season, which was his past season, it was 800 yards on 43 catches, and the one before that was 734 yards on 34 catches. And so they were kind of similar his sophomore year and his senior year. The COVID year obviously didn't really exist for North Dakota State because they were only able to play one game. But I think that when you look at what North Dakota State does, and Christian Watson talked about this at his podium session, he said, North Dakota State, we run the ball. We run the football. That's just like what we do. And and I believe there was somebody who was asking him a question at the combine, and he said that Christian Watson had 59 plays of 20, 20, 20. Oh, was that really? Okay, so that was you. He had 59 plays of 20 yards or more. And so when you look at it like that, you go, okay, North Dakota State is going to pound the rock. That's what they're going to do. But then when they throw it, they're looking to make big plays. And Christian Watson was on the opposite end of those. And so I think that you can justify the stats in that way. But it is so funny. You're right. Because I think if you would have turned back the clock to the beginning of 2020, so early January, you go, where do you think Christian Watson's going? People tell you, oh, fifth round, something like that. Right. Goes to Mobile, tears it up, tears it up, plays great all three days, plays Clearly very, very well. Yes, yes, no no question about it. And immediately became a day two wide receiver. Like, there's no way he was getting out of the third round anything. Right. He comes out, he shows up six foot four, which is in the 90th percentile, yeah. um, 208 pounds, which I think in the – it's above the 50th. I think it's like the 63rd percentile. 11-4 broad jump, which is in the 98th percentile. Uh, 
four three six four yard dash, which is in the ninety second percentile, and then the thirty eight and a half inch vert, which is in the eighty second percentile. Like we are talking about a large elite athlete right. here. So it's like you are all of a sudden checking all of the boxes with Christian Watson. You love the mentality. He had the big hands, the long arms too. You love the size. You love what he brings to the game. And so he, he's obviously got the blocking experience as well. So he's totally well-rounded in what he did at NDSU. He is a top 50 lock, dude. He is a top 50 lock. And I'm, I'm basically at the point where I'm saying that he's going to be a first-round pick. Because I don't know how you watch what he's been put, able to put out there over the last two months and think that he's not going to be one of the top 32 players in this particular draft class. So I think top 50 lock to give myself a little bit of breathing room, but I think he could easily be a first-round pick and a target for Tampa at 27. Right. Uh, Yeah, the target for Tampa is what makes it so interesting because I don't know if he'll go before 27, but I feel like somewhere in the 25 to 40, 45 range, he's like pretty much going to come off the board. So could the Bucs move down a couple spots and get him? Could they get him right at 27? I mean, it's all a possibility. I don't even know if he'll be the highest player on their board, but at wide receiver, they value speed, mm-hmm. size, leaping ability. All of those things have been three things that three metrics that Jason Light has loved during his time as Jim. Now he's an FCS kid, like he comes from a run first, but blocking Bruce Arians loves that, especially yep. on the inside. He does that on tape at a high level. People talk about Traylon Burks, like Traylon Burks doesn't really block like that. Like he could, but he doesn't really block. Like there's no receiver I've seen in this class that really that blocks like that, at least of the top guys, I think. And so that is one. There's a couple things that really set him apart. His disposition as well. He's somewhere on the plane, though, of because there's so much unknown. He's not well-rounded as a route runner. There's a lot of develop, more development that's needed. He's somewhere on the plane of, like, Mac Hollins to Mike <laughs> Right. <laughs> Nobody knows what to do with this. Right. Nobody knows what to do with the students. You know, like, you laid it out there, all the things that are highlights of this scouting report. And when you listen to kind of just the words that you said right there, you got to go. I mean, this guy's for sure first rounder. He's not even making right. sense of bucks twenty seven, but he might. And I would, I would tell you that there's no way Tampa could trade down from twenty seven anywhere and still get Christian Watson because, like, Kansas City Chiefs are picking right after him. Jacksonville Jaguars pick at the very top of the. You think the, the he's going round? Like you really? Think I, I, I really do, and I think that. I, I certainly think that he's he's right there in play at 33 for the Jags. So, like, yeah. even if he doesn't go number one overall, or just number one overall, uh, he's probably not going number one overall. Maybe he would. Even if, I guess, <laughs> in this class, uh, I guess if he's not going first round, all we're going to be talking about over the next, you know, whatever it is, 16, 18 hours before the second round starts is, Christian Watson's got to go 33 to the Jags, right? Because right? right. it's just Trevor Lawrence gets the offensive weapon. They'll probably go offensive line to start the draft. So, I I, I, I do. I think he's a top 50 lock. And I think yeah. there's a real chance he gets picked in the first round. Seems crazy. Those seem like the top considerations for the Bucks right now. Maybe Burks, Olave, and Watson could all be on the board for them. I don't know if Wilson's as much of a fit. I don't know if some of the other guys, you know, I don't know if London will test where they want him to, and we'll see. Maybe he is on the radar. But it seems like there's a lot of possibilities for guys that could be on the radar of the Bucks at wide receiver, even could still be on the board at the end of that first round, makes for the first round being interesting. Is there another wide receiver in this class, Trevor, that as you think about all of the potential fits with the Bucks in this wide receiver class, let's say Chris Godwin's back, mm-hmm. Mike Evans is back, is there anybody else in this class, maybe that tested yesterday and that tested well, that you think, okay, they put themselves like on the Bucks' radar as one of the top guys they could consider? I think Alex Pierce has to be up there, right? The Cincinnati wide receiver, because you mentioned it. It's the categories the Bucks love. You're in a 4-3-3 in the 40-yard dash. He jumped 40 and a half inches in the vertical, and he had, I think it was an 11-foot 
three inch broad jump. So, I mean, like the dude's an unreal athlete. He's a big bodied wide receiver. He's got experience as a wide receiver one for, uh, for Cincinnati. It was strange, man. He went to the senior bowl and I thought he was going to, he thought he was going to stand out a little bit more. He didn't, he just straight up just did not stand out. But look, you know, especially when you're talking about kind of like one of those mid round picks, anything at the end of day two, maybe uh third round, fourth round, something like that. You want to bet on some athletic traits like that. So he doesn't exactly have the tape that matches the traits. He could. It's not to say that he can't. And I think that uh, I think that he's definitely going to be on the Bucks radar for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned there, too. Awesome stuff. Trevor Sigma, Pro Football Focus, Once Upon a Time, PeterReport.com. Great times, but these are even better times. Thriving and kicking butt at uh, Pro Football Focus. We're excited for you, man. I appreciate you taking some time to give us some insight on this wide receiver group. Hey, it's good to remind people who the best draft analyst at, pre- at Peter Report has been all time, so I appreciate it, John. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for giving them the opportunity to see that it is still me. I appreciate that. I'll talk to you later. See you, bud. Great stuff from Trevor Sycamore, even though he uh, incorrectly views himself as the best draft analyst ever from PeterReport.com history. Uh, Obviously, obviously we don't ascribe to that way of thinking because we are people who live in reality, but still nice to hear his insight and his thoughts on this class. Um, There's definitely a lot of talent, man. It is exciting to look at this wide receiver group, especially knowing that the athletic potential that a lot of them have. So it was really good stuff talking to him earlier in the show. If you missed it, talk to Brad Spielberger about a lot of the Bucks contract situations that are about to be free agents. He let a couple things uh, that you probably haven't heard uh, go in that portion, including a new projected contract number for Chris Godwin. That's probably a little more doable for the Bucks than the 17 and a half million per year that he had uh, previously published on pro football focus. So he has been working, talking to people down here and giving us his insight was greatly appreciated. And obviously Trevor uh, being able to talk about some of these wide receivers to the extent that he has was very helpful as well. So appreciate the heck out of both of them. Um, I, do I think the Bucs will go wide receiver O-line first round? I did say on yesterday's podcast, I believe that the Bucs are going to take a wide out an interior offensive lineman or a defensive tackle in round one. So one of those three positions is where I currently sit on the scale of what they could be looking at in terms of uh, different position groups. Obviously what happens in free agency will play a big part in this. There's a lot of variables that are still left uh, to, to figure out, but definitely I think a Zion Johnson, a Devontae Wyatt, a Kenyon Green, perhaps I haven't looked at his tape much yet. Um, and one of these wide receivers, those guys are all in consideration now for the Bucks at the end of the first round. And, Amazingly, it looks like a lot of those players might potentially be there because other position groups could get pushed up the board or could go higher. So it's a possibility right now. We're a long way off, a lot more to learn, and we're going to learn a lot more over the next couple of days of the Combine too. So you have us wrapping our thoughts from the Combine, going over the major things we learned about the Bucks. a lot of things we haven't talked about yet on the show. That will be on Monday. We'll wrap up the Combine thoughts, but mainly we'll talk about a lot of the things we learned at the Combine, about what the Bucks are going to do, next week not this upcoming week but the week after that um yeah it's pretty cool uh pretty cool so uh we're i'm excited to talk about that what they're going to do in that free agency situation so looking forward to it thanks everybody for tuning in we greatly appreciate it until next time thanks so much for listening to another edition of the pewter report podcast out